You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians and we talk about their lives, their music, and craft beer. This episode is a long time coming. I've known uh, this guest for quite, quite, quite some time, as we mentioned early on in the interview. Uh, when I started playing in serious metal bands in Montreal, my band was called Three Mile Scream. And uh, in my circle of metal bands, there was one band in particular that I was always fond of. I always found that they were very creative. And the man behind that was the Mr. Sean Arsinian. And uh, when I saw that we were both going to be at Heavy Montreal... I was just super stoked and excited to sit down and have a Vox and Hops interview with him. So here it is, my interview from Heavy Montreal with Sean Arsinian from The Great Sabatini. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 58. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. What's up, everybody? Today I'm with Sean Arsinian from The Great Sabatini, and we are at Heavy Montreal. Hey. How was everything? Good. Dude, we've been friends for... Long time. I think since like 2002. Probably, yeah. Just, that makes sense to me. Yeah. It's, it's like your fault that I like the Dillinger Escape Plan. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say that. I remember the day, even. It was that... I think it was even Inve Show. I was gonna say Endas, but it was Inve Show... I went to the Big Metal headquarters, or the pre-Big Metal headquarters, at 1180 St. Antoine, yeah. the old jam room, yeah. and I'm, I was such a Mike Patton fiend, yes. yeah, for sure. and you were like, have you heard this by the Mike, by Mike Patton, you know, and the... the Irony is a dead scene. That is correct. Yeah. And I was like, no, and then I just changed everything. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've always been in one of the most extreme, interesting bands in Montreal. I was a huge fan of Violent Marv back in the day. Yeah, I would always say if there's one band that I would leave Three Mile for and go and sing for, it would have been Violent Marv. There's always something interesting about music, and The Great Sabatini has just continued in that vein. We would have t- I would have taken you up on that and <laughs> set you back many years. <laughs> I, I have always had an insane respect for you and your talents. So. Oh, thank you, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, Let's talk about your hustle, the drive keeping it going all these years yeah how do you do that uh just keep it uh i mean it's been probably to the detriment of our uh 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 numbers like (laughs) but just keeping it about like love and uh and and being happy and having fun um if something doesn't feel right uh you know we don't go for it so we're a pretty tight unit the four of us we're like a family I mean, in, especially in that we have problems with one another. <laughs> you know, like just which like the, a family. Which, which most good bands do. Most good bands do, yeah. you know. It's how you handle those problems. That's it. Yeah. And if you can overcome that stuff, then at the end of the day, like, I feel like we've been very fortunate because things come along and they're kind of like enablers. Like, little things happen that make us, you know, like a really good show or... A record comes out the way we wanted to and people respond to it or like today we played and uh this was like one of those things where uh the crowd response was definitely one of those things that kind of lit a lit a little bit of fire under our ass it's like, a little reward wow. a yeah little it was reward. very yeah. rewarding yeah. yeah so those things kind of keep you going and uh we try to have a, a sort of um ethic about how we do our business and 
and try to adhere to that. Like I said, sometimes probably to the the detriment, the detriment of our business side. But uh, I think we have a really good time doing this. So you know. all of your bands have never been commercially viable. No, it's no, like almost anti commercially viable while still having a good groove to it. Is that on purpose? Um, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's just uh, I think our tastes are uh, when we all throw our our hat in the ring, so to speak, and whatever. Like we all get our chance to uh, to hammer away at, at the songs. Um, there's definitely a part of us that like I don't want to make stuff that's like unlistenable <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Sometimes I want to make something that's unlistenable, but it's got to have the right context, you know? Like, it's got to be right next to something that's very listenable. And so that it's, almost it's almost like, like you want to make people uncomfortable. Yeah, and then comfortable again. It's like a sandwich of love. That's it. Yeah, yeah there's got to be a context, right? Light and dark, whatever. But I think uh, our tastes range from... Like, I'm not ashamed to admit the, the stuff that uh, I love that's like... I love Iron Maiden and the Beatles and, uh, you know, pop music to some extent. And uh, But I also like uh, drone music and ambient and harsh noise and all kinds of things that other people don't consider music at all, you know? And uh, there's got to be some kind of middle ground, you know? From what I've seen on the internet... You, you appear to be very still involved in this underground scene of like almost like tape trading or like being these bands that nobody knows of or I don't know of. How do you discover them? How did you get into that? Um, there's some groups which I had to take with a grain of salt, <laughs> you know, because those get kind of petty and uh, dumb. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm in some like Facebook groups for music various that genres fall, that fall into your, yeah, your specific taste buds, genres yeah. and tastes and uh, I, like I said I take those uh, just with a little grain of salt and but I've, I've I discover music through those and I've made friends through those and when you make a friend in a group like that then you don't need to use the group to to interact with that person and that's correct. I can talk with that person yeah. directly and I found this here it is and exactly. back and forth and yeah. you send each other links it's mo modern tape trading exactly yeah, and yeah. you discover some beautiful stuff that way right so you know what would be uh, your discovery of the week there's a band called Cherubs they're not really it's not, I wouldn't say it's a discovery but they just put out a new album yesterday excellent and I've been by the time this comes out it'll be yeah, a few weeks ago a few weeks ago <laughs> yeah. and I, I I'm really excited about that and, and they were kind of a more I wasn't one of those cool 14-year-olds who was really into that band in the 90s. Got it. They were a band got that it, got it, got they it, were yeah. a thing, and then they broke up for 20 years, and they put out an album like a couple of years ago as their comeback album, and that's when I discovered them. And I was like, ooh, I, I love this. Now I've become kind of obsessed with that With band. the back catalog now yes, at this the point. the back catalog yeah. and the new stuff. I, I love when that shit happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah when you find this like, band. Yeah, and I make no, I'm not gonna, no illusions. I'm not trying to say I was so cool that I, I love this band forever. I discovered them five years ago, and uh, I now I love them. I adore them, and their new album came out, and I, I'm, like, pouring over every decibel. <laughs> you know, I need to hear it and absorb it all. Vox and Hops is all about beers. Can I crack this? Let's crack it. Today we are drinking a Griffin Town by Brasso de Montreal. They graciously gave me a bunch of beers to share with my guests. Oh, very nice. So Cheers. I will share this with you. Cheers.
Are you a craft beer enthusiast? I'd say I am. However, I'm not like, I'm lazy about it. I like craft beer. I, I can't drink the way I used to, which was the cheapest or whatever is at arm's length, you know, <laughs> beer, hard stuff, whatever. I would just take, if it was there, I'll have a PBR. I can't do that at all anymore. So I think this like renaissance of uh, craft beer is amazing because it's accessible. Good stuff is accessible and stuff that I will, I'm, I will, I'll try, I'll try anything, you know? So I enjoy that aspect of it. I love the fact that um, because we're in Quebec and the scene is just so hot right now and versatile, it's just so easy and it's to go to any depaneur at this point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even a, this great thing I haven't said on the podcast yet is that there's this little depaneur down the near, a depaneur, sorry, is, is a convenience store down my street that used to just have a whole bunch of big breweries products really? and then a minimal, minimal craft beer fridge, which was not my favorite brewery, so I wouldn't go. So I, I stepped in, I ran out of beer one night and I was like, let's go and see what they got. I, I walk in and it's just all craft beer now. And I was like, wow, you have great craft beer. And the guy's like, yeah, I finished my distribution with Unsaid okay, Distributor. Yeah. Yeah. And I just decided to go all craft beer. So I'm like, well, I'm coming to support you, dude. And I've been yeah. doing it ever since. Yeah. So That's I, I love the accessibility of it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, like I mentioned before, we're like, I, I, I'm not going to get in specifics, but like, you know, like I, I, we operate on a certain kind of, we try to operate on a certain ethics or whatever. I feel like this is a great aspect of that for me of like supporting uh, small businesses. Yes. The brewery, the, the microbreweries are small businesses, and they're being picked up by small businesses in communities, and it's like it's all just helping a community of people to and I, do I, things. I absolutely always, I said on the podcast for that, I see brewers as being artists and being very close to us craft crafting an album. For sure, you know, you yeah. put the time in, you put the hours in, you put your creativity, your ideas. You have like an outcome that you want at the end. You put. You, you know, it's, it's like a, a medley of a whole bunch of things that have to end yeah. up into this can, you know, totally. that goes into this file that becomes this CD, this vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, like how many tweaks did they get before, like, they felt good about putting a label on this and exactly. sending it out, exactly. you know? Yeah. Like, I'm sure there was a lot of love and care put into it, you know? You guys seem to record a lot. Yeah. You're, you're a very busy band, release-wise, and I'm jealous of that. How do you go about writing so much? Uh, Being creative. Don't stop, you know? Always working on something. Always. And uh, I was just saying to someone else earlier, we haven't, I haven't been writing so much uh, yet for the new stuff, but uh, like uh, I, Joey and I cleaned up an old hard drive of mine from years ago uh, just to, to archive a bunch of our stuff. And we discovered, like, a few things that I was like, I didn't even remember that this existed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just little demos that we made of something. I'm like, okay, well, now that I'm... Riff, I'm that, riff. That, that riff. That riff, that riff. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm making a little library of thing reference points to start new stuff. So it's like, there's always something like that going. If, if there isn't something completely fresh, it's like we're mining some library of... Uh, I love the work ethic. Yeah. So, uh, thanks. Well, you know, it's fun, you know? So it's easy when it's fun, right? You guys, I, I imagine you grew up in a house with lots of music playing because I know your family. Yes. And all yeah. three boys grew up to be musicians. 
Yeah. And I know that your dad's super cool. Your mom's super cool. What was the soundtrack to your youth? What was playing in your house that they were putting on? Okay. Well, my dad was here today, actually. Was he? F- yeah. I didn't see him. I would have loved to have seen him. Yeah. yeah. The soundtrack that I grew up to was... Uh, my parents were hippies. 60s hippies. So... All the uh, 60s and 70s, like, uh, from, all, like, rock, uh, soul music, and country music. Like, um, not so much the country music, but, you know, like, like stuff, okay, like, the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, and that pantheon of stuff, you know, um, that, those are the touchstones, you know, but Motown, Stax, uh, stuff like that. My father played... Beethoven and Mozart for us when we were kids too. Really, really, yeah. like like purposefully. Yeah, he was trying to expose us to a oh, wide, oh. you know, it worked field of stuff. Look at I you guys, so, all yeah. three of you. Look at you. Yeah, I mean, you know, like Jerry Jeff Walker, and you know, like there was like always like touchstones of different things. You know, like my parents didn't like only a lot of one thing, or they liked a little bit of everything. So you know, I got a little bit of country, a little bit of classical, a little bit of jazz. You know, a little bit of uh, a lot of rock and roll. <laughs> You know, um, but that's a broad thing, you know? So. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I like to touch on your, your artist side because you're not just a musician, you also draw and paint and create. Yeah. You're also a tattoo artist. Yeah. How did that develop? Could you always draw as a kid? Was it something you just liked to do? Or are you yeah. a doodler? That was the first form of self expression for me, okay. it was drawing, you know, and my, my parents really nurtured that really yeah they how did they by putting you in classes or just giving you supplies first at first it was just giving me he likes to draw give him you know i had lots of drawing supplies you know crayons pencils uh paint pencil crayons papers and uh, uh clay stuff to sculpt with anything to express myself in that way they saw me it was promising for me when from a very young age so they just pushed it even to the point where they did at some point they got me art lessons you know I I sort of uh, I didn't like that I was gonna say I can imagine you wouldn't have liked that yeah Yeah. they didn't push it on me too much if you don't like it then don't do it you know but when I in school it was something that I excelled at uh, and and my parents really pushed me and I think I my rebellion as a teenager was to uh, to go into music (laughs) or (laughs) athletic stuff you know uh, my parents weren't so encouraging of that stuff because they were like, that's a waste of time. Like, you should be drawing. Focus, focus, yeah, focus, focus on, on your talent, yeah. Uh, but I I wanted to try everything, you know? So my ways of rebelling were was to... Uh, to play sports and uh, which is weird to say so it's the opposite it's yeah. normally it's the opposite it's so funny yeah. and eventually to get into music which I, I always loved music but it always seems sort of like magic like I can't do that you know I do this even though my father plays plays guitar and my uncles play like I come from a musical family my brother Chris was playing since he was 8 or 9 years old but that was their thing and not mine and I, I just I had enough of that, and I was like, I I need, I want that too. So I tried, and eventually learned how to play an instrument. I love it. You uh, do tattoos. I do. Uh, give yeah. everyone a shout out where you work, where where they can contact you. 
I have a shop called DFA Tattoos in Montreal. It's uh, 328 St. Catherine East. It's near Barry Metro, right above the A&W. <laughs> I've never actually been. You should come by. I will. Time. I'll come by. Yeah. Yeah. It looks super cool. I love open. all the art on the walls. It's, the the it's, pictures of you, of the pictures of you, of the pictures of you there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's a mystery. I have no idea who's sending me those. That's so funny. <laughs> You just get sent to the shop? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a t-shirt with a picture of me on it, and then I took a picture of myself wearing that shirt, and then I got another t-shirt with the pic- with that picture on it. Unbelievable. So I got a coffee mug and uh, a hat and a canvas print. Somebody, it's a mystery. I have a mystery, uh, like a mystery crush that's, that's so like funny sending me stuff how did drawing transition into tattooing i always thought tattoos were uh a cool thing on the surface it was cool and when i thought about it it was kind of mysterious and if you look back at the history of it like they've dug up fifty thousand year old uh mummies mummies yeah. with tattoos and uh that's really interesting to me I think so too. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a form of self-expression. It is. Yeah, it is. And but there's pain involved, which is also another interesting angle yeah. to it, and it requires a little something inside of you to uh, to do it, uh, how or have it done to yourself. So, but and because I was always into drawing and I excelled at drawing, it was sort of a logical thing to eventually. It also didn't hurt that. Uh, I can make money doing tattoos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to make money as an artist uh, for a number of years. Uh, I, I was working in kitchens, and I, I quit. I just put it all down. Uh, it was kind of killing me. That I was I was doing art uh, in my spare hours, you know. So I decided to just shove off from that and just do art. And uh, I. I was struggling for a couple of years, and then I, I started to get more tattoos and become more uh, involved in that commu- a certain community of people, friends of mine, artists, and stuff like that, and I just made my way into it from who, there. Who would be like your mentor, your tattoo mentor? I think I have two mentors, um, really. One of them is a guy named Yanni Panos. Uh, he's retired from tattooing now. Okay. He's working in the video game industry now. He's uh, doing concept design. That's awesome. Yeah, he's an insanely talented drawer, you know? And he did a lot of my tattoos, and I learned a lot from him. And at some point, it was crazy because he was working on, under my roof in my shop, you know? And I had this guy who was kind of like my one of my idols who was working... For not for I hate to say for me, but working at my uh, shop. in one of your chairs and one yeah, of your stations. Exactly, what do you yeah. call it in a tattoo shop? In one of our stations. Okay, yeah. yeah. And um, my business partner Melissa Valleycat is one of my big mentors. She hired me years ago uh, at a shop she was running and gave me a real good chance to work with like in a pro shop and to just up my game, you know. And she's an insanely talented artist. Like, uh, supernaturally talented. So being around someone who's like that, not just, she's not just like a savant, like she just does it. She can explain everything to you, how she's doing it, you know? But it looks really easy. Yeah, she makes it look easy. It's like and a good the musician. Work she does yeah. is, exactly, is, is prodigious. Yeah. But then I say, how are you doing that? And she'll break she it down just, for yeah. you, you know? It's like Flo playing drums. I, I watched his DVD, you know? Yeah. And it's insane. Yeah, he's even better now. He's, yeah. He works. Guys like that, people like that, are never 
staying the same. Yeah, but he's that's doing, the most frustrating and he's constantly thing to changing, be. and he's constantly changing yeah. his warm up, getting ready, what to fix this, fix that. Never it must satisfied. Be crazy to be a fly on the wall with the like yeah. to be close to that fly on the wall. You're more than a fly. He's doing on the like wall. squats and You're lunges before every fucking set. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just knowing how people get to that level is super fascinating to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know? Yeah. And whatever it is that they're doing, I would love to sit and pick your brain about your vocals. And I've always, dude. I, I've always admired your your. Thank vocal you, brother. Thank talents, you. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I know. That's the thing. Like, I don't want to... I know you work, worked for it, you know? Like, uh, saying someone's insanely talented, like, when I say that, I, I, I like their, that to be, like, the caveat. But, like, I feel like I understand that, like, uh, it didn't, like, you didn't just, like... Open my mouth Open and your happened. mouth and, yeah. like, oh, yeah. like, I'm great. It's like you... It's like you were tattooing, you were drawing. Yeah. You were guitar at this at point. It, you know? Everything exactly. is work. You got to hustle in life. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. How do you feel... It's a double-edged sword because I know you like it because you make money from it. But tattoos used to be dangerous. Yeah. Used to be a form of expression for the dark side of the community. Yeah. Now it's become like cool and trendy and hipstery to have full sleeves. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I feel like um, the one thing that people forget when they're doing things like getting full sleeves or even a little one little tattoo is that it's there forever. I mean, we all have a basic understanding of that when you sit down in the chair and you're, you're about to get tattooed and you're like, holy shit, like, uh, this is forever. But I feel like um, right now is a time of uh, transition for tattoos and the accessibility of it and the, the fact that, uh, you know, people can have a, be sleeved up and relatively fine in our society um the dangerous place right now is going full face tattoos and stuff like that which is like uh, to each their own if you want to do that go for it i've done face tattoos on certain people um but i feel like it's the you're it's missing the point if you're doing something just to be edgy that's not like a really great reason to do it. So I feel like there's a transitionary period right now in tattoos where it's still not totally respected as an art. It's accepted, but there's still like a just a surface understanding of what how awesome tattoos are, actually. Have you ever come to the point where, as you mentioned, the people with their stupid tattoos, how often do you say, no, I'm not going to do that, dude? It's fucking ridiculous. Um... Not that often, but you know, like maybe a couple times a month. What's the most ridiculous thing that you've said no to? <sighs> wow, that's a that's a good question. The most ridiculous thing I said no to. Oh my goodness, I got a good one. There we go. Two weeks ago, I got a call. We got a lot of out of towners. They call in saying, "I'm going to be in town on this day. Can I get a tattoo?" Yes. Okay. So this guy calls in and he says, "Do you guys have UV ink?" I don't know what that is. Is it glows in the dark? Yeah, or? like if you use a black light, you got can it, see it. it. So it's yeah. generally invisible. But if you put a black light on, you can see it. I actually happen to have some, which I, I don't like to use, but... I, I, is it hard? Con- how, how do you, like, tattoo it? It's not it? a great product. It's like ta- it's like every any other tattoo ink in principle, but it's just shitty product. Okay. And I don't really know like know how, if it holds up as the good long as term. other inks yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. But I had some because I, a client of mine specifically asked for it and, and paid 
for the supply, you know. Got it. So you had some leftover inside. I had some yeah. leftover. So I'm like, okay, uh, yeah, I have some of that. And he said, well, I want realist N-word alive on my face. Okay? Realist. Realist. How, how do you spell realist? Like R-E-A-L-E-S-T. Like I'm the N-word. realist N-word alive. Unbelievable. And um, But he didn't say N-word. He yeah, said yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. the word. So uh, I was like, I didn't know. I wasn't going to. At, at the at the time, I just felt like I'm not going to ask him. Uh, what color what he was. What color his skin is. <laughs> what, how much melanin he's carrying in his body. Uh, he said, I also want to get some finger tattoos. I'm like, uh, okay, well come in I said do you have a lot of tattoos because I generally won't tattoo anyone's hands unless they have full tattoos full ta- yeah, yeah. yeah they gotta be you got lifers. space somewhere else exactly yeah. so he's like yeah man I got a lot of tattoos so I'm like okay come in and we'll talk about this he's like no problem so I started kind of like making a speculating little speculating who this person like, is who is he <laughs> I said yeah, I bet this guy is white when he comes in I bet he's gonna be white sure enough the next day buddy comes in and he is like as white as my uh, Irish grandma, you know, like he's white. And uh, I, first thing I said to him was, I'm "Not going to do that tattoo on your face." And he said, his buddy said, he said, "Okay, no problem, I respect that." And then his buddy said, "Don't worry, man, we can get it done in Toronto. It's okay for white people to say the N word in Toronto." Yeah, it's never like, it's never okay to say yeah, the N word, people. It's never okay. Never I okay. Said, I'm pretty sure it's not okay to say it anywhere. <laughs> and he said, "I heard a Chinese guy in Toronto say it once," <laughs> to which I had no answer. Yeah, the, 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 the the Chinese racist in Toronto <laughs> yeah, yeah. says that it's okay. But it's like, are you trying to say that you think? Asian people are a white, and so it's you heard him say it, so it's okay. Everything about that is a loaded statement, and also racist. Exactly, it just doesn't get any less racist. It just keeps getting more racist. So he did not get his tattoo, you know. But uh, that was that was the last weird one. Unbelievable, Sean. Thank you so much. I know you're busy. Thank you. Go have fun. Enjoy having Montreal. Thank you so much. Cheers. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. I just love Sean. We could have gone a whole lot longer. I just know him so well. I've known him for many years. I know his brothers. We've all grown up in the Montreal metal scene playing together, and I have a lot of love for the Arsenians. So cheers to each and every one of you brothers, and a huge shout out to Big Metal James. I miss you dearly, brother. I hope you're listening to this, and if I ever make my way out to to Alberta, and I am close to you, we shall sit down together and do one of these as well. Just a quick reminder that this weekend, Vox and Hops is going to be at Festival de Bière et Saveur in Chambly, Quebec. It is Quebec's premier craft beer fest, in my opinion. They have all the best breweries. It is in an epic, epic site. It is in this old fort in Chambly, Quebec. It is really, really cool. There's just uh, a whole bunch of good beer a whole bunch of cool people. If you uh, live close by and you like craft beer, you should absolutely make the trip. You, there are still tickets available. You should come out and hang out. If you see me there and you recognize me, come on over. Say hi. Let's talk about metal. Let's talk about some craft beer. I'm stoked to meet you all, so please come and say hi. As always, if you have any suggestions, if you have any recommendations, which beers I should be drinking, what guests I should be hunting for, trying to get interviews with to share with all of you, 
please send me an email at matt at voxandhops.com. That's M-A-T-T at V-O-X-A-N-D H-O-P-S dot com. And please, I'm super stoked. I always love getting emails from Vox and Hops heads. If you are a brewer and you'd like me to share your beers on the podcast with some of my guests or to do a live tasting during one of my intros, please hit me up at that same email. I'm always super interested in trying out some new beers that I haven't had the chance to get my hands on because they're not available where I live. So please keep that in mind. I hope you have a great week. I hope you have a great weekend. And remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.